Hello and welcome to the SFM podcast. My name is John Cole and on this occasion we once again turn our attention to SPFLgate, the controversy which has not quite split the game down the middle but has resulted in a splintering of loyalties and opinion. In the last week we have seen Rangers' much-awaited dossier arrive ahead of the SPFL EGM called by Rangers, Hearts and Stranraer. From my reading, there was little in the document other than an expression of frustration at how the SPFL had carried out the procedures surrounding the vote on ending the season in the lower leads. This allied to a repetition of the allegations against individuals and innuendo surrounding claims of bullying. There have been counterclaims since then by the SPFL of threats against staff members and the breach of commercial confidentiality, both by Rangers. Whilst all this was going on, the Premiership Club's moved to categorically veto any plans for league reconstruction which the SPFL's task force may have come up with, uh, rendering that task force redundant barely days after it had been constituted. The EGM seemed to be a busted flush for the requisitioners, but today Inverness have, in a detailed press release, expressed their unhappiness at the reconstruction outcome at the SPFL's incompetent, their word, handling of the earlier vote to end the leagues and have backed Rangers' claims of bullying over that vote, stating their intention to testify, again, their word, to that end if Rangers wish to have an independent inquiry is granted. At the same time, Rangers have offered to pay for the inquiry, nullifying one of the SPFL's objections to any inquiry going ahead, that of cost. Meanwhile, there is little or no prospect of any football being played in front of a paying audience for at least as long as it takes to find a vaccine for SARS-CoV-2, the virus responsible for much of this chaos. Consequently, football realities may be more wedded to existential questions for several clubs in Scotland and maybe even hundreds across the football world than it is in the conduct of the SPFL itself. A reset of the game internationally may well be required. For instance, how many clubs will still be around in a year or even two years? How sacrosanct will player contracts be? What will happen to sponsorship, TV deals and to the transfer market? Everybody talks about a new normal, but what will that new normal look like for football and when will we even get to it? Well, I've got David Lowe here to help me get a pass out of this particular maze and uh, hopefully when he gives me it, it'll work. David, first of all, I, I, I know your position is that Rangers calling for an inquiry into the SPFL conduct has been a bit of a sideshow deflecting for the big picture. But until now, there have been a lone voice in bandying accusations about. Does the ICT statement today add weight to their calls for an inquiry, do you think? No, it changed nothing at all. It's the same little cabal, the same little concert party led by Rangers uh, ploughing the same furrow. It's the same people making the same statements. I, when I read the Inverness statement, you know what? I genuinely laughed out loud. It's got full of these overdramatic superlatives. In fact, it sounded as if it had been written by the Rangers PR department. Everything was utterly this and utterly that. You know, gratuitous use of the superlative. Look, hey, we're in a crisis. Is this situation simple? I don't know what all the debate's about. We're in a crisis that nobody wanted, nobody expected, and nobody can handle. It's a nil revenue scenario, uh, and it requires immediate addressing. The solution, there, there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all solution to the situation we find ourselves in. This is a global uh, statement of fact affecting all leagues. So there was always going to be casualties. 
casualties in this instance are the members of the concert party that tried to frustrate the resolution heard last month. Members of the concert party are Inverness Caledonian, Patrick Thistle, Dundee, who are now ostracized from the concert party, and anybody else that lost out or was a casualty uh, from the resolve of the resolution. So All of them have a reason uh, for, vote, wait, wait a minute, yep. for taking the position they have. And indeed, I know they would all have voted differently weren't they in the position that they find themselves in. That is the hypocrisy of it all. The full use of concern for others when all you're interested in is yourself. It's a nonsense. All of them have a vested interest in, uh, in trying to improve the situation they find themselves in, with the exception of rangers who are just acting out of good old-fashioned ill will, trying to divert attention away from their own predicament, trying to appease their own fans and doing all they can to frustrate Celtic being awarded the championship. That's it in a nutshell. Uh, and they can blab away as much as they want. Uh, we should all try and move on. So I, I don't intend to talk about this anymore. Because it's boring. Well, what do you think is going to happen on Tuesday? I think yeah, the resolution will be defeated, but clearly there's a, there's an impetus to behind to further this. You've got your usual suspects in the media, you know, partaking of succulent lamb, who are not going to bite the hand that feeds them, and who will continue with promoting this canard of a farce. Uh, but the resolution will be defeated. Uh, I've already been told clubs that don't uh, that won't be voting in favour of it, which is sufficient to frustrate it. So the resolution will fail unless they change their minds or their vote gets stuck in the electronic post. Know what I mean, John? Uh, indeed, <laughs> indeed. But, but, uh, the, other, the, the other thing I was going to ask, though, I mean, the, the, and perhaps this is. Uh, the, the, the SPFL could be backed into a corner here as well because there have been serious accusations made against individuals in the, in the SPFL. Yeah. Uh, and you would think yeah. that their instinct would be to get things out in the open to try and defend themselves. Uh, if indeed those accusations are unfounded, that they'll want to show that those accusations are spurious, surely. Well, look, see, the, the whole the whole situation ha- has been handled clumsily. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Clumsily is probably the right word. But there hasn't been any corruption or any other nonsense. And indeed, all, all these uh, concert party cabal members, you know, depending on who they're speaking to and when they're and, and when they're speaking, you know, all have different stories about whether there was or there wasn't corruption or bullying. The, the bullying thing still is a, a laugh out loud one. But there is what there is is an impetus behind all this. The resolution will be defeated, but I very much doubt that uh, that would be the end of it. I think the smart thing to do was will be to do is actually to uh, have the resolution defeated and have an independent inquiry, or have the board resolved. The board is, is allowed to do this. The board can resolve to have an independent inquiry. That that should should be the end of it. Whether they do that, I've, I've no idea. Another thing that usually happens in a situation like this, there's always a casualty. There's always a patsy, and such is the resolve. Uh, of uh, those behind this uh, this uh, initiative, you know, I, I I would say it's beginning to look like Doncaster's on a shaky. So, you know, I, I'm no fan of the guy, but uh, that's the way it's beginning to look. So that's an opinion, uh, and it's an opinion that might be wrong. So uh, there you go. That's 
That's okay. what I think. Well, the, the, notwithstanding the decision of the the Premiership clubs, I believe it was, to veto any prospect of league reconstruction, presumably self-interest, uh, again, uh, rearing its head. But in that particular situation, how do we know how the reconstruction can it would go ahead anyway, given the fact that some clubs are already on, as you've just so just put it on a, on a on a shaky peg. Well, I think there will be involuntary reconstruction, you know, rather than a consensual reconstruction. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, uh, there are clubs that could have been part of a reconstruction that might not have been around to see the reconstruction through because they don't have the dough, the money. Uh, to survive in a nil revenue environment for an in, in, indefinite period of time. So I, I think there might be a involuntary reconstruction. And I think uh, this will be the case in leagues across Europe. I think uh, this is an opportunity for change. I, and in fact, I, I think change is almost guaranteed. I think rules will change, leagues will change, and uh, new money. Uh, will come into the game most likely from private equity, uh, which uh, is usually in search of a big, fat, meaty profit. So there will be involuntary uh, reconstruction. And uh, I think in Scotland, you know, there is an increasing possibility of another breakaway league uh, by invite. I could see that happening. There's nothing to stop uh, third-party investors proposing to the SFA that they set up a new league. Uh, You could call it, funnily enough, the SPL if you wanted. Same concept as what happened in 1998. And that uh, SPV uh, could apply to the SFA for a new licence and teams could be invited to participate uh, on a a money basis, prove you've got the money, rather than a merit basis where you come in a league I think that's going to be a dynamic that plays out across Europe and I don't see why it can't play out uh, across Scotland. And such a, a private equity uh, back venture could come armed with a big fat meaty uh, broadcast contract. Uh, so if you can demonstrate you've got money, you, you could be in. I could see that happening. Uh, but before that happens, there's still a lot of financial pain uh, to be suffered by the clubs in the, in the SPFL. What you mean the, the private equity that would be coming into the game, would it be coming into the clubs or would it come into the, the new organisation? They were talking about a kind of franchise model like they, they have in American sports. Well, it could be. The, the actual structure of the SPV, call it an SPV, special purpose vehicle, and that special purpose vehicle has been specifically created to apply to the SFA for an exclusive pro men's football licence in Scotland. might not necessarily be exclusive. You could still have the SPFL with all the the small teams, a bit like the SFL used to be until it merged with the SPL a, a couple of years ago. But basically, this would be a league for the remaining clubs with the financial backing to uh, see out a league campaign, uh, clubs that have come will come through the other end of this financial uh, nightmare taking place just now. So that that would be a, a new league with a new constitution, 
It could be an American-style constitution. It could be a more conventional uh, European con uh, constitution that you know has the, the trapdoor or the entry and exit promotion and relegation opportunities. So uh, that, that, that's a degree too far, I think, for this stage uh, in the problem. We've basically got all the pain. This is stage one. We have all the pain that's been suffered as a consequence, all the moaning, all the bitching, all the blaming, uh, all pursuant to what's happened with COVID. The next stage is, uh, is stage two is how you get through it, who survives, who doesn't survive, who's still around. And the final phase is, well, how are, we, how are we going to manage this going forward? And that's where your sort of private equity or your new league comes in. As a possibility, I'm only saying it's a possibility. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a reality. But basically, there's been a, a monumental change in the dynamic uh, of European football, of which Scotland is a part, and that always presents opportunities for change. Some of the change is good, some of the change is bad. Uh, as part of that change, uh, I, I do think... Another option is for the SPFL to change its constitution to accommodate the problems that are, are, will be faced. I, I do think there'll be a discussion around the 15-point deduction uh, for an insolvency event. Uh, it ceases to be a deterrent of its inevitable and several clubs go through it. So if everybody, not literally everybody, but... Uh, if a, a significant enough number of clubs all suffer a 15-point penalty, that's really the same as not suffering a 15-point penalty. Yeah. So that, that might come under review. Uh, again, when you look at administrations and insolvency events, a major disincentive for having an insolvency event is the fact that you take, if you can get a CVA, a creditor's a voluntary agree, agreement or arrangement, you're still going to be carrying forward the the uh, football obligations in terms of players' wages, in terms of monies owed to other clubs for loan players, in terms of transfer fees owed to other clubs for players you've bought and you're playing on, you're paying on the drip or in installments, uh, if you want to call it that. So that uh, may well have to be looked at because there'll be a lot of clubs with contracts that they still they just can't afford anymore because they don't have any money anymore so if you're going to have no money for a, a, call it a season or even half a season how are you going to pay for a squad of players on oh, huge salaries the answer is you can't uh, an administration doesn't get you out of that it still keeps you in it the only thing that gets you out of that is a liquidation and when you're liquidated you're no member of, you're no longer a member of the league you have to buy all the assets of the club that's liquidated and pretend you are that club and apply to uh, the SFA stroke SPFL for a new uh, membership. Clumsy and controversial and and uh, not something that anybody would, would wish for. But, you know, this is the territory we're in and these are the issues that have to be addressed and debated. I'm also thinking about Douglas Park's interview yesterday, I think it was, where, where he said that Rangers' uh, shortfall, uh, which was much publicised earlier on this year, would be taken up by uh, existing investors. So with one consequential of... So what he said, John, sorry to correct you, was he used the past tense. 
He said it had uh, been. had been. Yeah. You 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 said you said would be. Would, would, yeah, I don't yeah, want to be pedantic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I'm going to be pedantic because <laughs> it's significant. Because what it means is, if it has happened, if it has happened, mm-hmm. uh, it, it it wasn't. It has to be. It has to have been financed by loans because there's been no share issue. Yeah. This means Rangers are even more in debt. Uh, although it might be, you know, what did the Dave King guy call it? The uh, soft loans or soft debt or quasi equity or some something like that. But at the end of the day, if that has happened and no reason to doubt it, if he said it, it basically means Rangers have taken on more debt. The other, but we don't know because they've not, they've not put out any uh, interim figures, which they have done the previous club and the current club for. 25 years plus mm. uh, and there's no legal compulsion to put out interim statements uh, but by convention they have done this both clubs for uh, 25 years so that's a bit unusual as well so we don't know what's happened yeah the the, the point I was that I was trying to make was and, and you're right you know you would take him at face value uh, for, for what he's what, what he said there but would that have consequences for for instance the FIFA fair play regulations and is that something that may well be relaxed as part of a package to help clubs so yeah I think the the, the financial predicament is, is is global or euro wide and like I said I think a whole lot of uh, Financial restrictions will be will be loosened, so I, I I don't think there's any merit in going down that road. You know, financial fair play issues in the current environment are likely to be uh, not something that is enforced strictly. I think survival is the name of the game for all leagues everywhere, because every league everywhere has these problems. So uh, I don't think financial fair play is 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 going to be a topic of discussion. Is, is, it a, is it a serious prospect? Do you think that that within a year or two that there might may not be enough clubs to be able to compete in the very top level in Scotland? Well, again, the further out you speculate, you know, the more nebulous the, the prediction becomes. It's much more easy to speculate about short-term matters than it is to speculate uh, about longer-term matters. What what is apparent and what is clear is that there are a whole lot of call them businesses with no money coming in and overheads going out. It's like your house household. You know, if you lose your job and you have no money coming in and you're waiting on universal credit, but you've still got a mortgage to pay and you've still got utilities to pay. You know, businesses you know are exposed to the same the same issues. So that's what we have here now. If you are in that scenario, your ability to survive that scenario is vastly improved if you have the luxury of money in the bank and or the luxury of being able to get money from somewhere. If you can do that, you have the ingredients for uh, for seeing this crisis through because it will end at some point. Mm. However, if you have no money, if you have existing debt and you have no access to money, then you've got a big problem. And there are clubs in Scotland, there are clubs in England, there are clubs in Europe, uh, you know, that have acute financial problems. So they're the ones that are most at risk. And it's not unreasonable to think clubs will not be able to uh, finance their way out of it. And that administration or an insolvency event is the best option for them. But beyond that, it would be wrong or unfair to speculate too much as to who, who those clubs could be and how many of them there, there would be. But some will go down, 
Well, I'd, I'd also like to talk about player contracts, but because, as you know, the, the Bosman ruling from a couple of decades ago, I think probably now, has been such that players have been empowered very much, certainly relative to what they were before. Do you think it's possible that, that there'll be a change over the nature of players' contracts? I mean, a lot of the complaints that, that you hear from clubs in Scotland at the moment are that if they can't play these games before a particular date in June, all the contracts are over, they don't have the same player, they, they won't have these players to to resume, uh, say playing football in September or something like that. Is is there a is there a possibility that the authorities, uh, either FIFA uh, or national associations themselves, might step in and impose new regulations on them? Yes, they will uh, loosen the, the restrictions. It's just like the government is doing for the population at large. If the name of the game is survival, uh, what the rules you're looking at just now. So generally speaking, are all capable of change if those changes facilitate survival. So, yeah, I, I don't think anything for, anywhere is sacrosanct because the name of the game is survival. It's not bittering. It's survival. That's where the focus should be. And rules will change to facilitate and enhance the prospects of survival for leagues and for teams in the leagues. So I don't think you can look at any rule or regulation anywhere and say, oh, by by such and such a date, this has to happen, otherwise that will happen. I I think uh, that's too too much of a straitjacket approach to take, and uh, I think rules will be changed to accommodate survival. So I don't know what they are. Nobody does, uh, because we're not out of the first phase yet. We're still in the bickering phase. Mm. Who said what? Who bullied who? But there'll come a point when we... uh, move into the how do we deal with this phase and uh, that's where there should be unity uh, and I think we're, we're getting to that uh, situation soon but everything in the game has changed uh, the value of football clubs is going to be lower the value of transfer fees are going to be lower players wages are going to be lower squad sizes are going to be lower everything's going to be worth less basically uh, uh, and you know that, that that's the future that, that, that beckons, and there will be opportunities uh, in there for clubs that recognise these changes earlier than other clubs. Anybody that thinks it's just going to return to uh, the way it was before, I think, I think is misguided. But you never know. I think if you if you look at uh, the, the the top clubs in Scotland, you, I mean, obviously there's Celtic, there's Rangers, there's the the two capital clubs, Hearts and Hibs, uh, Aberdeen uh, also, who all have uh, enormous pulling power. If you were a betting man, would you say that those five clubs will 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 still be on the go uh, a year from now? Uh, yeah, I think the the, the big clubs uh, in in Scotland will be around in a year from now. Uh, for a variety of different reasons, there's no, no point getting into it. But basically, if you if you are a bigger club, you have bigger fans, you sell more tickets, you sell more merchandise, you sell more of of everything. What 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 you've got to do is focus on their balance sheets. If they got to refinance the business and strengthen their balance sheets, uh, they can do that in the knowledge that uh, if they're still in the game, they will be able to still be able to earn. Uh, uh, more revenues than smaller clubs, but it really is a very amorphous uh, outlook for the next 12 months. Uh, it's very difficult to predict, so I'm not going to try and 
pin down specific clubs, you know, so that somebody can come back and and uh, say, well, you got that wrong, didn't you? I just all I'm promoting is change and expressing opinions on how that how those changes will will take place in a very general manner. Well, we're asked you earlier on about whether there would be enough clubs in Scotland to, to be able to play at the very top level uh, when we come out at the other right, the end of this. I was kind of hinting at something you said earlier about, uh, about international opportunities as well. Is it possible that top clubs uh, could be forced into merging with top clubs uh, from other countries as a consequence of this as well? Well, you mean leagues? Yeah. Other leagues? Well, well, well yes. An awful lot of Celtic fans, which is my team, you know, would love Celtic to play in England and, and none more than me. And this has been the holy grail for a number of Celtic fans for a, a, a number of years. And it was possible uh, after, up, up until 1998 when the rules were changed. In 1998, the rules were changed to basically stop transborder participation because football leagues didn't want or the S, call it the SFA. The SFA is in charge of the Scottish football jurisdiction un, uh, under the, the UFA umbrella. Hmm. And they uh, were dead set against you know, having a team on their patch, like Celtic, playing in somebody else's jurisdiction. Hmm. Uh, now, UFA are against it as well because they fear it would open a Pandora's box whereby you could have uh, you know, Porto, for example, playing in La Liga, or you could have Ajax in, in playing in the, in the Bundesliga. You know, where would it end? You know, is natural order, you know, threatened by a, 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 the consequence of let, letting, a, you know, one club do it? But you could do it uh, before uh, 1998. I mean, I, I had basically uh, got £20 million worth of it new investment for uh, Clyde Bank, you know, conditional upon Clyde Bank relocating to Dublin City, which is the fourth largest city in the British Isles and, and is an independent country, obviously, but it is still part of the British Isles. And uh, everybody said it couldn't happen, but when you looked at the rules, it, it, it could happen. And I know for, for a fact that Celtic looked at, you know, acquiring Wimbledon way back in the day. You know, Wimbledon had been thrown out of Plough Lane and were nomadic, a relatively new member of the English FA, had, uh, were under the ownership of Sam Haman and his brother. And, you know, the logic, they were touting it round for £40 million, I think it was. And at the end of the day, the, the proposition was that you could buy Wimbledon and change its name to Celtic, change its registered ground to uh, Celtic Park and change its colours from a navy blue to a green and white hoops. And... Uh, by so doing, you would have, a, you know, a rebranded franchise, American style, very controversial. New club. You know, uh, a, it's a, it's not a new club. It's an old club with a new name. Yes. But yeah. It's definitely not a new club. Yeah. A, there is a big difference. It, dep- it depends for, for what side <laughs> but, of the fence you're on, whether it's a new club or not. I mean, for, from a Celtic perspective, Celtic would now be a new club, wouldn't they? That's the ironic point I was trying to make, but carry on. Well, I'm talking about Wimbledon. Yes. Wimbledon actually is MK Dons, and that was, a guess what, a change of name. Yeah. Guess what, a change of registered ground, and guess what, a change of strip. But it's still the original company, and the company and the club are synonymous. They're not, a club is not a celestial entity that exists in the sky. You know, it's a, it's a, com- it's a, a company, but that's an argument that's already been, uh, already been had. So 
that wasn't controversial. Well, it was controversial amongst the Wimbledon fans, but it, what, it did not involve transborder uh, relocation. Yeah. So it happened. But at the end of the day, MK Dons is Wimbledon. In Scotland, uh, Airdrieonians is actually the Clyde Bank franchise, which became a member of the Sc- Scottish uh, the SFL Scottish Football League in 1965 or yeah. 1966, and then it, it it rebranded with a change of name, a change of strip, and a change of ground, mm-hmm. and that's Airdrieonians. Uh, but these are controversial, but they were uh, they were within a, a jurisdiction, so less controversial than a across uh, across jurisdiction entity. Anyway, back to 1998, mm-hmm. when you looked at the rules, it was like, you know what? They can do that. How do, how, how do we stop it? So what they did before the World Cup, they have what's called a plenary, and uh, a proposition was made by the Scottish FA with the support of the English FA to bring in a new rule which effectively prohibited uh, trans-border uh, initiatives of the type uh, I just mentioned there, uh, but you know, there's obviously there was an exclusion zone for uh, examples that had already taken place. So basically, whenever this co- uh, conversation comes up, you have people going, "Well, what about Derry? Are they play in the Republic? What about Berwick Rangers, who are not who are now in the lower league, Scottish lower league? I think uh, they play in England, and of course, what about all the Welsh clubs?" And there's an answer, never never mind Monaco and uh, San Marino and, and Andorra, but there's an answer for the Welsh uh, league, and that is the back in the day, uh, there were no motorways and there was no national Welsh league. So it was easier for uh, the teams in South Wales to uh, be members of the English league and get to Bristol and Birmingham. And it was easier for uh, Wrexham in the north you know, to get to Liverpool and Manchester. So they, they were allowed to join uh, way back in the day because there was no Welsh football league at the time. And indeed, there wasn't a, a national, a national as, as opposed to a regional Welsh league until 1991. There was a fear that uh, FIFA were going to uh, remove Wales' status as a football nation because they didn't they made it a condition of having your own football team that you had to have a professional league. So Wales got its professional league in 1991, 1992 or thereabouts and, and tried to force all the Welsh teams playing in England to, to play in this new Welsh league. And it all ended up in court and a few Welsh teams had to play in England for a season whilst it resolved itself. But why did I mention all this? It's something that always comes up when you talk about Celtic playing in, uh, in England. Events do tend to uh, to to create change, don't they? And and uh, do you think that uh, despite the, the the lens that the 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 football associations of uh, I think it was Ireland and in Scotland uh, Scotland that went to prevent that cross border participation, that now uh, with, with this kind of situation ongoing, that uh, that, that perhaps that the, there may be an opportunity for more change and for top clubs and the leagues that you were talking about to move to to bigger leagues in adjacent countries. Yes, I do. I, I, I absolutely do. So if you embrace this principle of a uh, no rule is sacrosanct, every rule is capable of change. I, I, I just give you an example of a rule being changed in 1998. Mm-hmm. Everything is capable of change. And what is it that uh, that promotes change? It's money. What does football need now? It needs money. Money talks. So 
if there's going to be clubs, the, the most exposed clubs are the wannabe clubs in the, the Scottish Championship and the English Championship. They're the ones that have overspent the search of Shangri-La and the, and, and the Premiership. And, uh, you know, they're, that's most likely where, you, where these financial casualties are to be found. But anybody with money that, break, that adds value to the game will get a fair hearing. You know, Celtic are uh, a very big club with a lot of clout, uh, very professional, lots of money, big support. Uh, everybody in England's second favourite club, not literally, but practically. So I think uh, there is a, a prospect or a possibility that these trans-border rules could be revisited. But, you know, that's probably a hope on my part rather than an expectation. What what about the in that scenario? What what are the the prospects for Rangers or a Hearts or a Hibs or an Aberdeen? Well, again, the principle applies to everybody. I was just talking about Celtic because because that, that's my team. But there's nothing to stop uh, other Scottish teams uh, seeking to exploit the same possibility should it arise. I mean, for some unknown reason, you know, there's a, a 25% holder of Workington Town, which is in the English pyramid system, is, is owned. There's a 25% holding owned by a thing called Ibrox Park Holdings. And the guys involved are some of these names that have been hanging around Rangers on and off. I can't remember. Barry Scott or something and some other guy. So they've got this shareholding in this club in the English pyramid system and Workington is in Cumbria, which is the county sort of nearest uh, Scotland. So there's lots of clubs going bust in England. You know, you, you, technically you, 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 could, you could buy them and relocate them. That's, that's why I mentioned that. But there's nothing to stop uh, the other clubs looking at that possibility as well. Returning to the reality of Scottish football today, I mean, obviously there's there's a milestone which has been set up on Tuesday with this uh, EGM. Obviously, you, what you've already said is that you think that the, the Rangers' resolution will be voted down. So wh- where do we go immediately, do you think, on Tuesday afternoon? What happens then? Well, I don't know. I don't think anybody does, but I, 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 I don't think it's going to go away. You know, it's patently clear that for whatever reason, you know, Rangers have got a bit between their teeth. And, uh, you know, they're now offering to pay for, for the, the independent inquiry, mm-hmm. you know, which obviously raises questions as to just how independent is an inquiry paid by the person that wants the inquiry. It doesn't look very independent to me. But... Well, I suppose they could lodge a, cu- a couple of million quid with the SPFL and say, well, there's however much it's going to cost. Well, independent inquiries tend to have uh, the outcome of supporting the status quo that those that commissioned it asked for. I mean, and the SP, is it SPFL or the SFA, I can't remember, has form. I mean, there was a Lord Nimmo Smith, uh, you know, inquiry yeah. a few years ago about the shenanigans the old Rangers got up to. If you ask the the wrong questions or, or the right questions, depending on what side of the fence you are, or don't ask any questions in respect of the things that matter, you know, you tend to have the result that you want, which is a whitewash. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen with the inquiry, but there is a, 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 there's clearly a momentum. Rangers have clearly got a bit between their teeth. They do want uh, somebody's head in a plate. Possibility that Doncaster might might be the the patsy here. Is this this is what tends tends to happen? 
Uh, Rangers have played this card before. They had it in for uh, Marshall McLennan a few years ago and Gary Hughes. I, I don't know what will happen, but there is momentum. So I doubt uh, the complaints will go away irrespective of the outcome of the EGM. Legal action, perhaps? I'd be surprised about that. I mean, who suffered loss? When you go to a judge, this is the wrong result because we were bullied. You know, it's no, I, I don't see that happening. But stranger things have happened. Who's been prejudiced as a consequence of this? Where was the? What's the point? What are you what are you going to complain about? Who, who's lost money? And meanwhile, you know, the whole sport's going to hell on a handcart. You know, yeah. this is really what you want to spend your time doing. So I, it's, it's, not, it's all a bit surreal. Well, it's, it's forever entertaining anyway. I mean, despite the fact that we haven't played football for a couple of months, uh, there's, there's certainly been plenty to talk about, David. But thanks very much for uh, for joining us again today and no doubt we'll be returning to you for, uh, for some commentary as events unfold. Thanks very much. No problem. Thank you. One thing I think we can be absolutely certain about is that uh, this has miles and miles and miles still to run. Next dateline, I suppose, is on Tuesday when the EGM of the SPFL takes place. By Tuesday evening, we'll know whether Rangers' motion to call an independent inquiry into the handling of the SPL's resolution about ending the lower leagues will have succeeded or failed. So no doubt there'll be more twists and turns in this whole affair before it eventually ends. In the meantime, thanks very much to David Lowe for taking part today. I've been John Cole. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>